We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. The Mask of the Red Death is fire. It, it The way he lays out this story is just another reason of why Poe is a master writer. Sir, how much does this story resonate as we're just kind of like, we're on the tail end right now in reality, as at the time of recording this, <laughs> at a pandemic, right? Like, like this has to feel very real. This felt too real for a couple of different reasons. Mass pandemic, and I keep thinking to myself, yeah, like, is this history repeating itself? Like, I did that. I would do that. We kind of did that. And then on top of the pandemic aspect, it's life or death. And we've talked about many times that you and I are probably halfway done with this thing called life. And I'm like, oh, this hits home on so many levels for a middle-aged man living through a pandemic. I'm just like, Poe, you you wrote my life. I, I mean, if I was some rich playboy that got to have awesome parties all the time, <laughs> that would be my life. Well, it's it's kind of like, if remember when we read uh, The Wastelands and then we went into uh, Wizard and Glass? It had that backdrop of the super flu that just... It just took out the world, right? Like it's it the, the the scenery is despair. We got nothing. People dying because of the plague. It's awful. But that's not the setting of the story, right? Prospero, Prince Prospero takes all these people to this castle, this abbey, this hidden away place where they don't social distance, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and the scene is not despair. It's it's socialization. It's partying, it's living. And that's what's so fascinating about this, is this juxtaposition of just pure death and plague compared to living life to its fullest. In the story, it really felt like it was the class divide that allowed that to happen because prosperous, I thought that was a little nail, nose, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, Poe, that's a little obvious. Uh, but... It felt like that the the richer you were, the more you could ignore real life problems was one of the kind of things Poe was saying. And we know that Poe was kind of destitute and poor most of his life and, and died penniless. Well, here's here's a quote for you. He had directed, in great part, the movable embellishments of the seven chambers upon occasion of this great fete, and it was his own guiding taste which had given character to the costumes of the masqueraders. Be sure they were grotesque. So when we talk about class divide and rich, you've made an argument before in, like, I think it was our video with Tolstoy's The Death of Ivan Ilyich, that wealth sometimes buys you a certain amount of control, 
a certain amount of buying off mistakes even. What do we think about how the narration almost calls into effect that Prospero designed this place? He's throwing a party with a thousand of his best besties and the fact that he's almost even directing what they're supposed to be wearing and dressing as. Like there's a certain amount of control that Prince Prosperous Prospero has in this world. That's exactly how I took it, that money buys control. I mean, money is equals power, power equals control. And that is sort of his form of happiness, I think. Uh, I don't I don't know. He doesn't seem to be happy. He seems to be deflecting because of his position in life. I feel like that he's old and he's trying to avoid the plague and buying these parties, buying these friends is the only way that he knows how to cope with his own mortality. There, there's this movement of utopia type projections, like in movies where like, oh, the world is perfect. It's great. Like we've got science to detect cancer. We've got these drugs that improve like their long life. It, it's this perfect existence where, where disease doesn't exist, where there is no poverty. We're all happy and wealthy. But like, that feels really uneasy. We can't be we can't be happy as human beings. There's a certain amount uh, there's, a, there's a certain amount of joy I would think we get in seeing those that are happy and perfect ripped down. Like we love in our in our media, stories, movies to see the utopia flipped upside down and perverted. What is that say about us, the readers, that we almost enjoy that these people that are having a good time, living lavishly, are brought to their knees. Oh, man, I got to tell you, disaster movies are like my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love when they destroy the world and to see how humanity evolves or de-evolves is probably uh, a better terminology for it. But I think that you see true humanity, right? I mean, that's us at our core. And some people define themselves through misery. We all have that one friend that everything is doom and gloom all the time. That's how their existence is the best for them. They love that. They thrive in that. That that pushes them further. And I think Poe is trying to say that money is a way to buy yourself out of that, or at least buy yourself some um, faux control over your life because ultimately we all have the same ending as Poe kind of points out in this story. We're all going to die in the end. One of the things Prospero does is he designs this castle with like these different rooms that have like the different colors, right? I, I wrote down blue, purple, green, orange, white, violet, and then black, but the black room has like red uh, stained glass windows. Each of these rooms has this stained glass window where light comes in and cascades over the room, right? There's no light source in the room, at least how I read this. It's, it's all about the stained glass washing over this color in the room. How did that make you feel? Or what do you, what do you think, why do you think you would design the castle this way? I don't know if Prospero was doing this or if it was, it's my interpretation of what Poe was doing for the story, but I feel like it was representations of different points in his life. We all kind of define our lives, you know, nowadays it's, I graduated high school, I graduated college, I got married, I had a kid, but I don't think Prospero has that. So he has these rooms and each is color coordinated to kind of represent 
monumental times in his life. And even the rooms themselves are positioned, I think, strategically in the castle to represent different times in his life. And that's probably more Poe writing that into the story. Like the very first one is facing east and the very last one is facing west. And so for Poe in in our culture and society, that would have been the east, of course, is the sunrise, life, and then west, the sunset, death, with the last one, with the red being blood or the plague killing you and taking your life or blood is the life giver. And so I think that, I think it's an interesting mix of, is this more Prospero building this or is this more Poe writing this for us? Mm, interesting. There's there's a quote I want to share with you about that because we talk about this life, like you mentioned here, moving through life. To and fro in the seven chambers there stalked, in fact, a multitude of dreams. And these, the dreams, writhed in and about, taking hue from the rooms and causing the wild music of the orchestra to seem as the echo of their steps. And anon there strikes the ebony clock, which stands in the hall of the velvet, and then momentarily all is still, and all is silent save the voice of the clock. The dreams are stiff frozen as they stand. The echoes of the chime die away, and they have endured but an instant. And a light, half-subdued laughter floats after them as they depart. Okay, pause for, oh gosh, the amazing writing here. But the usage of the word dreams, the usage of the word hue, color, being cast over. How did this quote land upon you? Wow, that that's there's so much there uh, to unpack. Where do I begin? For me, it really hit with the clock of that time is ticking for all of us. Time is going away for all of us, and that if we don't achieve our dreams, then what is the point of living? And time won if you don't achieve your dreams, and time is going to continue on whether you achieve your dreams or not. And so you should go after them. You shouldn't. Cap, you shouldn't, you know, hold yourself up like Pospero does away from the world. You should go out and live your life and don't stay frozen like him. He's staying stuck in one place. Don't do that. I think this is almost a cautionary tale as well as many other things. So many layers to the story that Poe po, po is giving us. Do you think anyone might interpret this as the story is a dream? Like, what if, what if Prince Prospero is already dying and there's not an abbey there's not an escape this is all literally just a dream in his head as he's moving towards the final black room the seventh room of death of 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 the plague coming from he already has the plague he's sentenced to death and it's just a matter of time and this is all a bad a mad fever dream is is there commentary there too where someone may interpret this as don't live your life just in dreams, but you must live. You must you must not get caught up in the dream and you must be you must find your way back to reality almost even in a sense. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought of that. So he's just laying in the snow somewhere dying, having a fever dream that he's this rich guy throwing a party, but really he is dying of the plague. I hadn't thought of that. But is that okay? Are you allowed to live happily in a alternate reality i mean if he's happy who are we to say no prospero you can't have your happiness the red pill or the blue pill 
Now, with that said, Always. do you know what the original title of the story was when it was first published? Oh, I, I didn't look that up, no. It was actually published as The Mask of Red Death, colon, a fantasy. Oh, so a dream, a fantasy. Okay. That makes a little more sense now. Well, think about it. Clock strikes 12. What happens at 12? 12 is a number that happens twice in a day, right? And each time it's this, I mean, the, the term is, it's this reset. Exactly. It's this, this shift, this changing over is in, 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 are we experiencing a changing over from reality and fantasy in a story with, with what do dreams represent the character that introduces himself right when it hits noon or midnight, I should say is this masked figure, the Red Death personified. And they say, even in the story, the figure in question had out-heroded Herod, right? Which is a very specific tale in the Bible about the slaughter yes. of the innocents. People that hadn't done anything wrong. So the loss of the innocents. Because, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all these people partying, are they innocent? What does it mean that the plague comes along and is able to freely move through these people, even though Prince Prospero orders, seize that man. How dare he? With all my wealth and power, I have all a thousand friends here with me. Surely we can capture this man. I think this is showing that it doesn't matter who you are. Death is coming for you, that it is the great equalizer. And I know nowadays that's maybe kind of commonplace knowledge. But when Poe wrote this, I think it was kind of revolutionary of him saying, hey, I don't care that you guys think you're better than me or you have more money or you follow this religion or whatever. When we all die, it's going to be the same. Oh, that's interesting. A self-justification story, if you will. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, here's what's interesting is that the, the, the figure, he's almost kind of like splattered in blood. Red. There's that red Yeah, symbolism. he would look so cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, remember, all these party goers, they're like, yeah, we're not partying in that seventh room. Super creepy. Avoiding it. And that clock totally throws us off our jam. So I, I think there's there's something that I think a lot of people will pull from this, right? Like like the idea of this switchover to, to death from reality to fantasy, fantasy to reality, that this clock stops things. Like it's almost like, like time has this way of, of making you reevaluate your life, making you kind of wonder, am I doing the right things? And all these people at this time, whenever it's the o'clock and the clock chimes, have to stop what they're doing. They have to face reality for a couple of seconds every hour. And, and here we are at the end of the day, the switch, life to death even. We can't go into that 12th room with the black, which is typically bad, <laughs> with the red, yeah. which is typically blood and scary. And here comes this guy wiping everyone out in a time when the plague is present. It's almost like everyone is forced to face their mortality at some point or other and recognize that regardless of how much you money you have, how much fun you're having, every hour that goes by, you are one step closer to death. Ooh, it gave me kind of chills there. One thing you brought up that I thought was interesting was this idea of time. I mean, because if you kind of think of time as relative, and if Prospero is having a fever dream, time is shifting for him. I mean, you know, when you've been sick before, 
and you're kind of like not lucid and you're laying in bed and you're like, oh, and like you close your eyes and like you got medicine head or, you know, you just kind of feel like that floaty feeling. And next thing you know, it's like eight hours have passed and it feels like five seconds or when you have those, you know, really terrible nights of sleep, you close your eyes and it's like your alarm goes off and like it felt like your eyes were shut for one second. I think that time is, you know, is subjective to what's going on in your life. And in the story, the clock is keeping that regulation of time, which is breaking Prospero's reality if he is truly mm. having this, you know, fever uh, induced plague dream thing psychosis i don't know uh but I, I love that perspective i think that's really really cool so the last line right but right when prospero's like okay catch this guy and he's like yeah i'm murking all you people you're all dead <laughs> <laughs> and, and they take the mask off or the robes whatever it was and there's there's no one there there's there's no actual being in this mask that just went out and took everyone out we have the final line and darkness and decay, and the red death held illimitable dominion over all. First of all, chills, <laughs> right? Like, is this Poe's best story? I don't know. But wh wh what's this line mean? Darkness and decay, and the red death held illimitable dominion over all, only to find out there's nothing in this, this figure, this mask. Well, I think death is scary, right? And we all try to put a face to it. I know that as I was reading the story, I didn't want to picture like the traditional Grim Reaper. And I kept thinking to myself, what does this character look like? And the best that I came up with was, what if it kind of looked like a ring wraith where there was a semblance of a face, but there's really nothing underneath there. And except for maybe like blood eyes. And then we know in the story of the Lord of the Rings, when the blood, when the, the ring rates die, there's nothing like it's just their robes. They're empty because I think that's what death is, is, is empty. You, you can't put a face to it. Death is just death. There's no actual being or anything. It's just, it's no more life. <laughs> I'll say this. I'm going to say this right now. I think this is Poe's most underrated story, arguably one of his best. Agreed. And a great time reading it at Halloween time. The best. Yes, thank you for picking this one. Let us know down below what your favorite Halloween story is. Maybe we'll read it next year. <laughs> Poe playlist down below. My name has been Una. Like, subscribe, much appreciated. Peace out. Peace.